So usually how I like to, to start these conversations is, is really about an individual's journey. And thankfully, when I get to talk to people, they're building something pretty cool, uh, pretty impressive, and it's going to have a, a lot of impact behind it. Uh, so just talk about the green story. We'll talk about your journey and then talk about the green story mission and kind of what it is and what's its purpose and how it can help us as individuals as shoppers, but also e-commerce, you know, social impact e-commerce companies really excel at, at showcasing their mission and their impact metrics. Totally. So my background is actually within the sustainability space. I did my engineering way back in 2007 and really wanted to enter sustainability and uh, was lucky enough to be accepted into a fairly known agency in India as a consultant. And I worked there in market research and consultancy for uh, almost three years in various spaces from renewable energy to energy efficient lighting to consumer sustainability. And this is where I kind of started getting in deeper to understand how people kind of make decisions around sustainability, how you can, you know, be more sustainable as a person and what's preventing people mm-hmm. from making that choice. Because, you know, the odd thing is like, everybody does want to have a positive impact on the world, right? Let's yeah. the idea of legacy, just making things better. Nobody's out here saying, I'm going to dump like coal into this river and, <laughs> you know, run around with that. That's not what most people want, at least sane people. So, but something's preventing that from being happening. So I was, I was very curious as to this, as to what's really going on. So when I went on to do my MBA and, you know, started working outside, this was a, a side research that I was always doing. You know, talk to mm. professors, talk to people, people in this consulting space, just to kind of understand, like from academics and all of these people, what makes people tick. So, you know, I explored the area of behavioral economics and consumer choices. And over time, body of research began to accumulate. And from my own experiences about what's really stopping people from making that choice. And to me, I think that that's a really huge part of the sustainability solution. There's, there's no silver bullet, but consumer education and removing as many factors as you can from a sustainable choices would be, I mean, the biggest step to getting people, getting the world to be more sustainable. So diving deep into this research is how the idea for Green Story really came about. It's also about the same time I met my co-founder. So we start, we started digging into this and we saw price is definitely a huge factor, especially like back then about seven, eight years ago, sustainable products were so much more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like uh, an issue, but uh, more than that, what we found was like the idea of habits and keeping the sustainable product once we enter the store, no matter what intentions we had, we look at the product, we look at the size for, say, for example, for a t-shirt, we look at the color and the price and that's it. Like your brain is on autopilot. You kind of already kind of have buckets for all of this information. What you don't have a bucket for in your head is like for sustainability information. You might see the organic stuff if, mm-hmm. if they talk about it, but right. brain doesn't completely process it because it doesn't really stick out. It's it's kind of there as a blob of text in the product description. But not <laughs> yeah. Totally. Right. It doesn't register. So we started looking at ways to kind of hack that system to kind of figure out, okay, let's say you were going out shopping and you were in, you were in an online store. Like Mm -hmm. how would you make this information relevant without confusing you and without sending you on a Wikipedia search, figure out like what these uh, terms mean. And that's how the idea for Green Story came out. So 
So we, we started looking at one is making sure that any data that's presented is credible. So getting the data out there and doing the analysis, that is definitely a huge barrier for a lot of companies. They didn't even understand what being organic means. Like we, we did a, a study very early on with a, a massive company, which does a lot of work in the organic garden space. They had no clue how much emissions and water and all these things they were uh, saving by switching to organic, switching to recycled fibers and all of these things. They just hmm. knew it was good, but it was a surprise for them, which to me was kind of shocking because these guys were really in the forefront of this and had been a bioword for organic for many, many years. Uh, not going to reveal the names, of course, but sure, uh, it, no it, it, it was it yeah. is super surprising for me to understand, understand and learn that. So that's something we identified early on, making the data available, making it easy for companies to get the infact, impact, and then kind of taking this and putting it along what we we'd call the customer's journey, especially online, is making sure wherever they touch the brand, they understand the impact in a very clear, credible way. And we came up with this idea of interactive infographics through widgets, mm -hmm. which basically sit on a brand's uh, sites so on the homepage, product page, shopping cart, emails, wherever you are, right? Or QR codes, wherever a customer sees it, not only will they see this price, but they'll also see another set of metrics and numbers and infographics which pop out at them. They just have to look at it for three seconds, four seconds, and they immediately get that something is happening here. Something is sustainable. Yep. They're they're following through on something good. So that's that's how the system was built out. And over time, now we've added this other step. What we always wanted to do was make it easy to measure the impact, make it easy to communicate. But now we wanted to make it easy for them to add to that, uh, to do something about it. So we're adding this whole offsets functionality as well, where a customer can see the footprint generated by the brand and the brand will offset it for that customer as well by investing in projects uh, through carbon compensation that are along the supply chain, planting more trees like electrification of buses or renewable energy, things like that, right? So that's where we are going now as a brand as well. When you talk about the metrics, is it for the, the company as a whole? Or is it for the specific product that somebody might be buying? Or, or is it both? It's a bit of both. One of the things we realize is when a company gives the says they're sustainable as a whole, it's not really as relevant to us as consumers, right? Because our interaction with the company, we're not going and buying stocks from these guys. We're buying individual product. So the impact that we as a consumer make is in the consumption of that singular product, right? Gotcha. Yeah. So, so that's why we focus on the product and then roll it up at the company level based on the products, because that's what you want to show more than anything else. So you're saying that it, the customer wants to know what their impact's going to be when they purchase it, not necessarily from the from the brand side, a little bit more than than the brand side. They're worried about what their purchases is going to do from from their dollar. Yes. So they, they want to know one that they're purchasing from a, a reputed company. That's good. That's doing good. So the company reputation and the impact definitely matters. But I think more importantly than anything else, in order for them to follow through, mm -hmm. in order for them to uh, kind of be okay with buying something sustainable, changing their customer journey a little bit, they need to understand what is the impact of that individual product right. that they have decided to buy. And that's what we're trying to highlight saying like, here's the good you're doing in this world by making the sustainable choice. Interesting. Over the research, you know, I know this, it was a while ago, but the, I'm sure the research sort of continues, you know, every year. What were some of the things that maybe you were, you're shocked about? I mean, you kind of mentioned the company that was pretty big and kind of, they didn't even understand from their point of view. Did you have any moments like that as you were doing your research that anything kind of opened your eyes in a good way or a bad way? Well, the fashion industry certainly opened my eyes. Like I didn't come from fashion. I came from, a, from like overall sustainability across industries. Mm. And 
it's not never something I, I really considered the impact of what I wear. Yes. Because uh, I, I really wasn't very much into fashion. And when I started digging into it, even the first few projects that we did, when we looked at the impact of polyester production, I was, I was completely shocked as to how polluting the space is. And when I started looking at larger industry stats, I, I was really shocked as to not just like the production habits, but how consumption habits have changed for people. For example, the idea that the average American now purchases between 60 to 70 items of clothing a year, mm-hmm. which is about mm-hmm. 10 times what they used to about 20 years back, which is insane, like how everything yeah. has changed into this hyper consumers model. So just kind of seeing all of that come together to me was, was really shocking. The impact of production and the impact of consumer choices. And also shipping too, because usually, you know, back then, even when we were buying, it was usually from a store and we take it out, right? You didn't have the mass transit of, of things coming from all over the world being delivered to your door. That's compound that with the amount of consumer habits of people buying more. It, it's sort of this compound effect of, <laughs> of a bunch of different things so how does how does like logistics come into this is that formulated into the metrics metrics at at all is it just is it just the production side or is it also logistically does that get baked in at all so so the system we use for uh, the impact analysis is called a life cycle assessment and it's it's precisely that it actually Mm -hmm. takes into account everything from you know the cultivation of the material extraction of oil for polyester whatever it is all the way to the delivery to your door mm-hmm. in a sense so all transportation all the other factors are considered in for end of let's, let's say the final last mile transportation we have a dynamic tracker and calculator which gives us the footprint of the transportation that was used over there then we also have things that we can put in place for end of life assumptions and for mm. use phase as well so everything can be taken into account typically we do cradle to gate which is like yeah. uh, until you know it reaches a customer's doorstep so everything is factored in interesting is though transportation while it is an important component is not as big in terms of impact as some of the other stuff you know factor just like dying factors like uh, mm-hmm. the, so the more of the production side manufacturing it, it is, side yeah. is, is much more damaging but transport is a lot more visible now because you see yeah. these amazon yeah. trucks running around <laughs> nowadays but just in time i, I want to go back really quick uh as a little aside question to the to the fashion point of view you mentioned polyester being something that is really rough on the environment in a production phase would you in the research would you say that if you were like to, to rank some materials, like what is the best one that's the least is damaging to the environment? If you're saying polyester might be one of the worst, <laughs> like what, what do you see? What does the metric say is, is maybe less bad or, or, or good? And, and maybe that could give an idea to some fashion companies about, hey, maybe don't make polyester, make stuff out of this because it's it's our metrics say it's much better. Well, you, you know what? This is where it gets super complicated because <laughs> it, it really depends on how you're looking at it. Because if you look at it from a purely carbon perspective, there are materials materials out there which are like really green from a carbon perspective, but which maybe are uh, more highly polluting in terms of water and chemicals. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, case in point is cork, right? Cork is actually a carbon negative material because of the way it's it's produced. You actually strip the bark of the tree mm-hmm. and the tree regrows new cork bark and that actually absorbs carbon from the atmosphere. So overall that's that's really good. But at the same time it requires a lot of water to process it. So it it's it's worse than cotton sometimes in terms of the amount of water that it needs. Right. Hmm. So so carbon wise cork is really good. 
Uh, same thing, for example, recycled polyester. It's, it's a really nice fabric in terms of, uh, again, because it's using recycled materials, you're avoiding plastics from landfills and all the leaching and all of that stuff that comes with it. This lower footprint for the plastics uh, production because you're not extracting the oil, but at the same time, there's the issue of microplastics. Yeah. Right. So organic cotton's the same way in in that sense as well, where you have like this much lower water footprint, much much lower emissions footprint than conventional cotton because you're not using pesticides. But then you have questions around land use. If you do start doing it at scale, is there enough sequestration? Is there enough yield? And all of these different things that come in. So it's a complex thing. The best that we did, uh, you know, that's publicly available was a study or, or an ebook that we made called uh, the Green Fabric Guide. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on our website right now. And it actually ranks about eight really popular fabrics that are used uh, as far as this, uh, from a sustainability space. And uh, I think the highest kind of ranking we gave, and this is like a very mixed and somewhat subjective in some places uh, was on tencel and linen that's because these tencel is made by this company called lensing and they have some of the most stringent policies in place in terms of carbon capture in terms of uh, making sure the water is recaptured and the chemicals are recaptured so Mm -hmm. they they have those audits and policies in place which make it a really sustainable fabrics that they make tencel lyosol tencel modal and a few others and the other one uh, linen for the most part because the, it's a hardy plant. You need very little pesticides and all of these things to cultivate it. So it is typically grown organic. I wanted to chat about it. If, if you don't mind, just stay on, stay on maybe the fashion side of things. Have you looked into or, or see any good trends? And do you think it's a positive development of some brands? And, and I'll say a lot of brands coming out now doing it is, is maybe taking plastic out the ocean and formalizing it into a textile in some way. Um, has there been any kind of research on studies on the process of, I mean, obviously it's good to take the stuff out the ocean and I'm like a, a big fan of it. I think it is a cool innovation to, to kind of, you know, give plastic out the ocean, a new life in form of a, of a hat or pants or socks or something like that. But is that, is that process to, to get it from ocean to production manufacturing to somebody's door? Is that, is that a good process right now? Like is that a good way to look at a company and say, hey, you should take a look at not creating, you know, your products from traditional just sort of textiles. You should go the route of, you know, repurposing plastics or resurfacing any kind of material that you can to get it out of landfills, a lot of a lot of the out of the oceans. Yeah. I mean, it is better than the alternative if you're looking at the same material, like things like Econil would reprieve dust with recycled yeah. polyester, right? It's it's definitely better than conventional nylon or conventional polyester, right? Because the even if you factor in transportation and processing, it's still much greener than refined crude oil being made mm-hmm. into PET and all of these things, right? So overall, absolutely. Uh, but there are greener alternatives, of course, out there. And as I said, it depends on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. From a pure carbon perspective, recycled upcycled fibers might be better. But when you start processing, say, plastics down into fibers and you start blending it, some of the things that designers need to consider is the idea on around end of life, right? Because mm. blended fibers are one of the most difficult things to recycle. So, and the technology of that is still just up and coming. So when you look at those things, I, I don't think that's being fully considered right now. Right now, a lot of the attention is being done on production, but people aren't really considering, at least most companies aren't considering, okay, well, how do you dispose of it? How does the consumer dispose of it? And how can they do it safely without putting it back in the ocean, but this time as, as a piece of cloth, which can't be upcycled at this point? 
Hmm. We talked about the, the the mass change and uptick in purchasing uh, of sort of clothing and just products in general. Uh, I assume all across all the product spectrum, not just clothes, you know, consumerism is sort of up across any sort of uh, product line. So that takes us to the consumer side again, and, and sort of the, the, the new sort of platform and solution that you have for just consumers to be able to sort of offset sort of their purchases or every month sort of pay a fee and their lifestyle can be sort of offset, right? Which is a really interesting idea to pay <laughs> six bucks a month and, and you could sort of be, you know, offset even being in a way, right? Uh, yeah. But as I'm, I'm always interested in the offset, just the idea, like, are we able to offset the amount of like purchasing that we do? How, how do we, is that possible? Because like you said, we're just purchasing so much. Is it possible to offset as much as we purchase? It is absolutely possible, but I, I think it, it needs to be taken in consideration. Like, I, I don't think the, the issue in general with offsets is like it, it's for people who really want to make that particular impact but it's not a moral license that you're giving so mm-hmm. that you can purchase as much as you want just pay right. 10 bucks no, no. and you're fine right yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of the wrong message yeah, to send. What, sure. we, what we're trying to do with you know the simply zero platform is enable people to get started on that journey you know, offset whatever impact. And, and we just make a, a calculation based on the lifestyle and based on the location and all on your product impact. So you have three plans, right? One is like just mm-hmm. to balance your emissions. One is to balance your emissions and plant a bunch of trees and then offset your emissions more than what you usually would plant more trees and do social impact projects as well, right? If you really want to contribute more to the world. But at the same time, what we encourage any user to do when they go into the platform is set pledges for themselves on how they can change their lifestyle to be a little bit greener. And this will be things like, you know, switching to a more vegan diet, mm-hmm. uh, avoiding uh, taking the car when you can and all of these things. And the system that we're building up is looking to link all of these choices together. You know, when you talk about shopping, for example, a lot of our brands, uh, the uh, the sustainable brands that we work with uh, in, in the clothing space, uh, they also do offsetting with us on the per product basis, because we are looking at the supply chain, mm-hmm. we can basically offset the impact along the supply chain. But the cool thing with Simply Zero is if you are on our platform and you purchase from a brand such as this, you'll actually see the positive impact of that purchase show up on your account. Mm, It also is a reminder then that, okay, if you are shopping, shop from these sustainable brands. And what we are going to do in the future, it's it's a relatively new platform, is link it with uh, tutorials on how to be greener based on the pledges that you have. So if you are looking to be more vegan, you know, talk to people who have been in the space, build out the community and figure out how you can maintain that that kind of lifestyle. These are things that we want to do because offsetting is always like the first step, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's totally. a really good first step to get started, but you need to kind of not think of it as like, okay, now I've offset it. Let me go ride my bike around on diesel or something, right? Uh, <laughs> totally. just, just trying to trying to make sure that they can uh, do something more and really back up the impact they're having instead of just, okay, here's 10 bucks, now I can do anything I want. Sure. And I think the the cool or experience that I imagine is that I sign up for Simply Zero and I kind of log in and then it serves me brands that are on the Green Story platform. And perhaps that, you know, there's discounts to these brands as well. So you kind of allow also the affordability and accessibility for people to kind of, you know, start to purchase, you know, get in the habit of, of kind of shopping at, at these companies. So I think that's a really interesting way is, is to have that dashboard actually really not only serve the metrics back, right, to, to the user, but also serve them almost like rewards, right? 
like uh, discounts and stuff like that, that they can get from, you know, companies on the green story platform. Cause then you have a real shopping ecosystem. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're trying to promote right now. Just, just kind of at least show them a better way to shop, but also a better way to live their life in terms of the sustainability aspect. We even have a complete transparency system that we've built across it. So if you go to the Simply Zero site and go to forward slash transparency, you can actually check the transaction numbers of items you have purchased through because once you buy an uh, buy an item through our uh, through any of our brands which are offsetting you get a transaction id you can actually see the impact of that individual purchase as well so that that's a lot of things we're building in just so people can see that it's it's not a hopeless lonely thing to do right sure. now like kind of make that one small difference there is a community behind you there's a lot of people and brands behind you who are helping you get to where you want to get because i think the one issue that i find in it's sustainability in general it, it kind of can seem like a very hopeless fight right yeah what totally. we're doing so this, <laughs> this is kind of a way to kind of tell you that it's not just you there's like thousands of other people doing this and you can be part of this is this all is this all built on blockchain at all so we we have like an immutable transaction registry for the offsets to make sure that everything is is uh, accredited correctly mm-hmm. uh, that's because offset suppliers have their own registries and it's all locked yeah, in yeah. so i don't think we're setting it up on blockchain per se but it's a similar system i guess in terms of making sure the offsets are not double counted and people can right. double check that yeah that's a big thing with all these offsets now coming out is is there's how do you verify it right how is yeah. it transparent how, how do you know that you know you're getting what what they're saying you're because you're still kind of purchasing it right at the end of the day you're kind of absolutely buying carbon offsets like you're buying a pair of shoes right absolutely and that's why we, we try to show all the projects that we're doing how much was offset mm-hmm. for each project as well so this is something where we're kind of opening up the industry because offsets is it was at least in some parts commoditized as you said it's like buying a pair of shoes and you just kind of could never know where those shoes came from <laughs> right right it's like these are green shoes and trust us right like so <laughs> what we've done with the whole thing is you know even on an e-commerce store if somebody buys an item and it claims to be offset they get a certificate from that store owner uh, say like a fashion store which tells them this is how much was off, offset and here's the registry number to prove it and here are links to all the projects and they can actually click on the project and track down their transaction within the project in the in the carbon registry we have for that project to make sure that is actually offset within yeah. that project so th- this level of transparency is 100 percent needed because otherwise people just won't see and believe you <laughs> yeah, nor should they, right? It's, it's good to ask no, questions. No, absolutely. They, they shouldn't. They, sh- they shouldn't trust anything that a company says blindly. Uh, it should be questioned and it should be checked. And th- there needs to be systems in place to ensure that the checks can happen. And that, that's what we're trying to do as well. I want to segue a little bit into funding and, and raising money because, you know, you're a rare breed in a little bit is that you're, you're kind of a, a funded social impact startup at the moment. <laughs> Right. It's, right. It's, 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 a, it's a nice little feather in the cap, a nice little early victory right there. I just want to talk about that process real quick. And, and what was it like uh, pitching and, and sort of raising what were, what were some of the, the things that investors were asking, right? And, and kind of what they wanted to see from the impact community and they're willing to invest in something you know, like this, or do you see the space as being very optimistic from the allocators of capital side? Because to me, it's it's consumers and, and investors, right? That's the two main 
pieces in all this that are really going to excel the sort of movement, right? And we see consumers really coming in and I think really shifting the way they spend their money, which is phenomenal. And I think the next step is getting investors to kind of invest in the space, right? Allocating capital to help companies like you grow, help other companies grow. That That's the way I think we build, you know, ecosystem for impact that is a uh, that's tremendous and sustainable in its own right. As with any raise, it's a, it gets a bit complicated. I think for impact, even more so, because it's kind of like when you're selling it to your right customer, you want to make sure you find the people who believe in your vision and what you're doing. So one of the things we were very clear on was like ensuring that whoever comes in as an investor really gets what we're trying to do and understands the vision, which is about consumer consumer awareness, right? Like the big vision statement that we have on our site is like getting everybody on the planet to ask, what's my impact before they make a purchase? So it's a huge goal. It's a, it's a huge vision and just kind of there's a lot of nuance to that. So when we were talking to, we, we were pretty lucky because we were revenue positive from day one. We had clients coming in. So we had a bit of time to find the right investors and look around. And we were very careful in ensuring that the investors who came in really gelled with the vision and were patient with it as well. Because the one thing with social companies, because you're, you're kind of blazing a new path. Uh, there's not really that many companies who've done the kind of stuff that you have. And, and for us, certainly, the, we, we were pretty much the first in our space to do pretty, any of these things. We needed people who believed in our vision, believed in us as founders, and and were patient enough to kind of give us the space to explore and and uh, enough funding to to kind of fund the exploration, I guess. <laughs> so so that that that's that was like the first step for us finding those that patient capital, finding the investors who believed in it. It did take a while like for me to find the right investors. We searched around and talked to impact investors, all of these for a year. That did give us perspective on how the space has evolved. I think in the space of say three, four years, mm-hmm. the impact investment space has grown exponentially. Even among angel investors and early stage VCs, which is our primary, which was our primary target, the awareness on the impact investing has has grown a lot. And if if we look now versus like a year and a half ago when we got our first funding, we'd find about two three two three times the number of investors in the space. Wow! Um, so that, that that's really good news. So for us, we we kind of looked around. We we found the right set of investors actually in the Netherlands, which is why we're also partially situated here, apart from our growing European customer presence. And uh, once we did it, we we just kind of went forward. Like once you find the right people, especially in in like the early stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, investment, it's, it's just about whether they believe in your vision and like what you're doing, right? It, it's about the founders and the drive and, and your record more than like the soundness of the company. Luckily for us, we had a track record to prove that as well since we had a sales from day one, but that's what we went with. We just went with the vision. We went with like, this is the plan and how we're trying to get there. And we found the right people for that. It's only after that that, that the nitty gritty came around. Okay, how is it <laughs> going to be spent and all of that. Yeah, but sure. we, we found for almost all the investors that we talked with whom we eventually went with, it's like, do they like you? Do they like what you're doing? And after that night, person of the work is done yeah <laughs> how would you say you mentioned sort of europe and how many like what would you say percentage of of people using the a brand using a green story platform are us european versus and other parts of the world it's actually about 50 50 between nice. north america and europe we have actually clients in about 15 different countries right now wow. and that includes like india china australia uh the philippines like Brazil, a few places like that. 
but the majority are in, even though we are a Canadian company, as that's why we started off, uh, the majority are in the US and uh, in Europe, especially the UK, uh, the Netherlands and Sweden. Amazing, man. Amazing. So I'll, I'll try to end a little bit uh, on the future. Getting funding is great, right? I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, having somebody believe in you and your vision is really important, right? It, it sort of gives you, you know, motivation and, and takes some stresses away. So you could, you know, so you could build what you love, right? And build a product that'll last for a really long time. So what does the, the future look like? Like, what are some goals that, that you have in place and, and sort of what is sort of broader, bigger mission over the next three to five years, let's say. Yeah, so I mean, one of the big things is to really grow the offsetting platform. Right now, we have we have set it all up. It's newly launched, and we had pretty decent uptake and feedback. So we want to get more brands, more com- uh, more consumers and employees uh, using the system to offset their own footprint, Ooh. offset their product footprint. So that's that's a big goal. We we currently have about 120 brands that are using the system and we're touching about 50 million consumers mm-hmm. on an annual basis. We, we really want to ramp it up to 250 by the end of this year. And the bigger goal by the end of uh, in, in about two years time is to get to 1 billion uh, consumers using the system in one way or the other, either for their, for their purchases when they buy with one of our brands or through our personal and employee carbon offsetting systems. Uh, so that's that's like the big, big goal for us because we believe that this is what's going to really trigger supply chains to change where you see this mass of people choosing to be more sustainable, choosing to buy more sustainable products. That's when people will be companies will be like, okay, you know, let's, maybe there's something to this whole sustainability thing. Let's push it harder. Let's bring it forward. Cause, cause we saw that in, in 2020, when, mm-hmm. when the whole coronavirus situation hit, everybody thought like sustainability will drop off, but actually it, it featured it higher on people. Yeah. 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 And, and we have all of a sudden these companies who are working with us now who were thinking, okay, talk to us in three years, four years, all of a sudden they came back and said, okay, we need to do this now. Right. So I think this is like when consumers make these choices and they kind of, they're directly telling companies, this matters to us, companies are going to move fast. It's not going to be a 10-year horizon anymore. It's going to be a two-year horizon. Yeah, that's the part. I mean, it's just it's just always reiterating, you know, the power that we have as Absolutely. consumers. I mean, it really, you know, I always say it, but it's, sometimes it's more powerful than our vote. And it's weird to say that, but it, it just can. It can have a, a, a vast impact on, how do you want you to see the world work? It's a pretty powerful thing. And I love to see all the, the tools and coming out and new brands coming out, new products. Cause I mean, you know, this, this is sort of a new frontier for the industry. Back when I started Calls Artists, there was, you know, barely any companies and products, right? And now we're seeing it. There's so many brands now, so many products. It's like, now we're seeing software products being made for the industry, right? Which is, to me, is an amazing step an amazing force that, you know, will prove out the industry in the long run. And these tools need to exist, right? I mean, they exist for traditional companies and businesses. Like it should exist in this environment as well. It's only going to breed more conscious consumers, more educated consumers, and much more, like you said, educated brands, right? I mean, they still need to learn as well, like what's good for their processes. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that people forget is like brands, investors, they're all run by people. They're run by the consumers <laughs> yeah. anyway. So yeah. uh, 
the more they're into it, the more they understand it, the more likely they're going to get into sustainability. Otherwise, you just get set on these rails, right? Like, you know, you went to B school and and you're told to invest in a certain way. You don't realize like there's more to it. That's the externalities that all of these things you can consider so you can invest more with your heart. And it all comes back to what I said in the beginning, like at the end of the day, people want to do something good in the world. And you just have to show them how. Amazing, Akil. I appreciate you taking the time so much, my man. It's uh, been a pleasure. It's been great to see to see Green Story grow and, and get get some funding. And, and the roadmap seems to be pretty amazing, man. So congrats on all the early success and, and best of luck the rest of this year. Thank you so much, Grant.